Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Say that tonight is just because 
man, I've been watching Summer League, and I don't have all the facts. And so I know that's going to be part of our conversation when we're talking about, you know, this offseason and and the amazing free agency period has been. um, The NBA is taking over, man. It's taking over the offseason. You never thought you would – something could supplant the NFL, but – you know, it's this off season. I, I I I didn't have any football talk. It was all basketball. So I'm feeling good here tonight. And and to be with you, I always said you're the best in the business when it comes to talking this stuff. So I'm excited to to have that conversation tonight. We well, appreciate that. And you're right, man. The NBA has figured out how to kind of extend the finals long enough so that it rolls right into the free agency um, period. You get the speculation with the moratorium. Then you get guys actually setting up meetings and starting to sign places, and then that, that, that frenzy of the first couple of days of the signing. And now Summer League has gotten in the full swing, and the Vegas League has started this week. So you got so much going on um, to get you through the dog days of July until training camps open, and then you can start focusing on football and you get your fantasy football information, get locked in with all of that. So the NBA has figured out how to kind of carve out a significant niche in the sports calendar, which you got to appreciate. Um, as a basketball fan, I appreciate that, man, because um, I, I need something in the past these months, especially July and early August, have been slim pinkins because I don't do baseball. I know you, you and PAD kind of get into the baseball a little bit, but that's just not my thing. And it hasn't been for a really long time. So it's hard for me to get into that. And this this year – We'll have some Olympics to talk about, um, and <laughs> I don't know, man. I might they might want to postpone. Uh, I I don't know is that has that ever happened before. Is that possible to just kind of you know get a do over on these Olympics? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like it, we we saw the train coming, and everybody's like, get off the track, and it's and, and like we're gonna keep going. Okay, okay, we got bodies you know, coming up in water. It's, it's all gangster down there. Somebody getting a lot of money. That's all I can say. Yeah, man. In Brazil, it's it's got an underbelly to it, and a little bit of that underbelly is being exposed. You know, it's like the country of Brazil um, has on a, a t-shirt that's too small, and you know you got that little that little bit of belly at the bottom <laughs> that's kind of showing. <laughs> it's not a good look. It's not a good look at all. <laughs> You know, um, yeah, they got to figure that out, man. It's, it's one of those situations. I, you know what I really like in it, too? This is, this is something my man PhD would, would appreciate. You know, when we first got to college, me and him used to go back and forth playing Tecmo Bowl, the first Tecmo Bowl, the original, like, not, not, not the original, not the very first Tecmo Bowl, like with Walter Payton in the morning, but the super Tecmo Bowl where Bo Jackson was untackleable. And, you know, you had the Jerry Ball cheat code. And I always used to use the Eagles. And, you know, I had Randall Cunningham as my quarterback, but on the game they didn't actually have his name. He was just QB Eagles, you know. And so I used to do the whole situation where, you know, Phil liked to play a safety deep, like to run back and try to steal my passes. So I let him run back as far as he wanted. I said, uh, Fred Barnett, deep all the time. Just go deep. Just run deep. Run as far as you can. Let him chase him. Then once he got too far at the screen, <laughs> I'd go scramble with Randall because Randall had some speed. You know, QB Eagles had that speed. Anyway, you know, PhD, he was pretty good. He beat me a couple of times. And then one time I had him, this was like my first time playing, one time I had him against the ropes. And, you know, this is Nintendo. So, you know, the, the game was on the floor. The console was on the floor. My man kicked the console. 
you know, and everybody knows that that, that resets the game. So, you know, she tried to act like he did it on accident. <laughs> no, putting him on blast is he ain't here. <laughs> he tried to act like he did it on accident. That's what they need to do in Rio. They need to kick the time zone. They just need to act like this didn't happen. Because, <laughs> you know, the police ain't getting paid. You know, uh, you got body parts washing up on the shore. You got, you know, some old Petri dish alien, you know, predator virus bacteria in the water. I mean, this is this is just too much, man. It's just too much. This is, can't can't nobody compete with all this going on? No, man. Like the first thing you said was bad enough, but then you named three more, right? Yeah, yeah. I ain't even mentioned Zika. You know, Zika virus. I mean, you got people freezing eggs and sperm. It's just that's just come on now, man. For the Olympics, really? You already got to worry about you know submitting body fluids for doping, doping testing right after you compete. Now you got to pre-freeze your eggs. It's, that's just too much, man. It's just too much for 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 the Olympics. I know gold medals and things that are really important, but it's just too much. But I digress. So, and we've had. So much going on. Let's start with the NBA Finals. Um, your final thoughts on the Finals? Obviously, everybody knows Cleveland won Game Seven. Great Game Seven. What were your thoughts on Game Seven? Man, it was uh, amazing. I was I was out uh, with some folks watching it, um, and it was Game Seven was like a microcosm of the entire series, in a sense that Golden State came out like game busters, you know. Cleveland was holding on in there. Slowly they start walking stuff back. It looks like Cleveland's on the ropes. You know, they go on a little run, you know, and then they start making it, making their, their push back. And, and it was, it was crazy because I had done a podcast about three thirty that day and had, you know, one of the things I said, this game seven is going to be equivalent to what we saw in uh, the NCAA tournament championship game. It's going to have that feel to it. With a few minutes left, it's going to be close. And I said, well, LeBron is probably going to have a uh, one of those. Uh, He's going to have the Jordan moment, right? He's going to have that moment, you know, where it's going to be the free throw line. And uh, he, he, he got your boy Byron on him, and he, and he got the little push off, and he hit the game winner. And the ending was just incredible. And – and then to watch, you know, LeBron and, and Kyrie embrace. To me, man, I went through so many emotional kind of roller coaster, but it, 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 it gave you, you know, when we had already written the script for Golden State, right, LeBron and the Cavs reminded us that the game still had to be played. And to be able to do that in Oakland, and I have to give it to the crowd in Oakland to, to – be there and recognize what the Cavs have done. Everybody was disappointed, but it was just an amazing finish, man. And and in that moment, created creating all the drama I think we've seen here post. I mean, when people looked at LeBron, LeBron had stripped away all the other stuff people had said about him, and everybody knew that something had to be on notice. And to see what Kyrie did, and to watch that, and this look on Steph's face was just incredible. And you know, we had been going back and forth. I know in our little uh, text group and everything else, but to me it was one of the 
this was a good year for basketball. <laughs> you know, when I, when I watched that game, I thought about the, 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 the national championship game. I was like, wow, man, this has just been – I'm like, what's the WNBA going to bring? You know, it's like this has just been uh, just crazy year for basketball. So, uh, I loved it, man. I loved it. I was uh, – the block that LeBron – it's incredible. This is to say, you know, you and I talked about this. A couple of talked about this is that so many of these great legends are known for offensive plays. But LeBron's signature play is going to be a defensive play. Like, to me, that's, again, just saying I'm different. <laughs> like, the, the thing that you're going to play is a defensive play. The number one play on Center for the month wasn't Kyrie's shot, which was incredible. I mean, he looked at Steph and was like, you were in a blender. And you could see the Steph's eyes like, I'm caught. I can't get out. And that was an incredible shot. But the, but the play of the month, was LeBron's block, which says so much about, like, he's always trying to say, I'm different, right? And so I really love Game 7, man. I could I could talk more and more about it, but, you know, I uh, absolutely uh, thought it was a great experience for both teams. They competed. They gave us everything you could ask for. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed this series. Um, there were moments in that at the end of that Game 7 um, where, you know, my, my my heart was beating. You know what I mean? Like my heart was yeah. like I felt my pulse getting up there in those in that last minute and on that last possession with Kyrie having the ball. I mean it was it was just fantastic to watch. It's probably the most into a basketball game that I've been involved in that I've watched that I haven't been actually involved in. Like either I've hadn't had a, a relative playing in it, wasn't playing myself. Um you know, I don't really have I don't really root for laundry, so I don't really have a team that I root for. So, therefore, I'm just watching the game, and I was just into it, man, because there was so much on the line. There was so much history at stake. And, you know, that's what that's what it was appreciated about it. Um, but also, I just think people overall, you know, that's a one-possession game, right? That's a one-possession game. And it's just weird how the narrative would have swung several different ways based upon how that one possession went, which as I reflect as, as a pseudo media member, right. Um, how narratives are created and in retrospect, we'll look at it that way, but really Golden State was a shot away from being in the conversation, being the greatest team ever. LeBron was a, a, a shot away from people questioning his legacy and, you know, all those other negative things that would have come about had they had lost. And on the flip side of that, LeBron was a made basket away from, from you know, a Kyrie three away from his legacy being cemented as one of the all-time greats and being able to get into that little room that we talk about, um, which I've heard some other people use that analogy, man. And I, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. I hear y'all out there, all right? <laughs> I think we started that, man. I think we started that. You know, next thing you're going to hear people yeah. talking about the big piece of chicken. Yeah. <laughs> I think we started I'm that. I'm telling man. you, man, it's like, oh. it's like you, you, you know, a couple of, a couple of comedians think, you know, Kevin Hart's got some people out there it, 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 listening to people. I feel like, I feel like some of these big networks got some people like, you know, you know, they, they, they trolling us in. And they kind of coming in, they they picking up little things. They were trying to tell up like, man, did we just say that like four months ago? 
still yet, but that's all right. That's how it works in the underground. You know, right, people. right. But so outside okay, of kind of the the peripheral things with the championship storylines and et cetera, just from a basketball perspective, um, that last game was um, fun to watch. Um, Cleveland obviously figured out Golden State if they're going to keep switching then we're going to force them to get the guy. We're going to use that to our advantage to get the matchups that we want. And you saw that with them switching and getting Azili on LeBron a couple of times down the stretch. Who Azili, he just, I mean, he's he's going to be on another team next year, which we know now. Um, And then on those last couple of possessions, getting Steph on LeBron and then getting Steph on Kyrie. So, you know, they kind of used the thing that made Golden State. It was kind of, it was very art of, it had that Wu-Tang Sun Tzu feel to it where, you know, you, you let your opponent beat themselves, um, which which was fantastic, right? right. You know, they, they, they use what Golden State yeah. does and what makes Golden State special, and they figured out how to work it to their advantage. And that's the that's the beautiful chess of basketball. That's the beautiful dance of basketball. And it was just fun to watch. It was good coaching, good playing, good good atmosphere, good energy. That's what NBA basketball is all about. And if people can't dig that, man, I don't know that. <laughs> I don't know. If you didn't like that, if you didn't enjoy that, I don't know what you I don't know what you do like or don't like about the league, but the league is in a good place, as you said. So we have the finals. Cleveland wins. They go on their victory yeah. tour. A um, couple of things with the victory tour. <laughs> First, you got our man, J.R. <laughs> when the president of the United States has to make a comment about your dress attire, man, and you putting on a shirt <laughs> or needing to throw some shirts on, um, you rocking out real hard in the streets. And Jr. definitely did his thing in celebrating, um, celebrating the championship. Uh, and then your man Kyrie with the <laughs> with the um, alleged no sisters party. <laughs> <laughs> his yacht party where there was no uh, woman oh, of color, my. supposedly. Allegedly, yeah. there was no woman of color invited yeah. to this uh, party. And, you know, Kyrie had to address uh, it, but Twitter yeah. wasn't having his – Twitter wasn't accepting his, uh, his response yeah. at all. Yeah, they wasn't they wasn't feeling Kyrie one bit. So, you know, that we have that, and then it leads up to free agency. And, man, oh, man, was this eventful. Um, I mean, this crazy eventful free agency. Um, obviously, we have to talk about Kevin Durant to start this off. We can't really have a conversation about free agency. Kevin Durant decides to go to the Warriors, man. And you know, we've heard, so we won't we won't rehash all of the things that you've heard other folks say on their podcast about the decision itself. Right and how they feel about it and how you, how people should feel about it. Um, right, points that we can't dispute. He took the easier path. This is the easiest path to a championship. He took it. That's you should. That's just the truth. You can't dispute that. Right. This is the easiest path. This is the best team in the league. Seventy-three wins and they just got the second best player on the planet. That hey, and he's gonna be playing with the third best player another top 15, possibly two other top 15 players, top 20 players for sure. So, yeah, he took the easiest route. Point number two, you can't dispute, can't argue. He has every right to do that. <laughs> That's just you can't dispute that. That's a fact. Um, three, uh, he made that team better. That team 
is still probably front runner to win a championship again next year. Those are, I mean, statistically, odds on, Vegas has them number one, right? So, I mean, those are three things that you can't argue about the decision. Now, whether, you know, you want to Stephen A and say, you know, you feel like it was a weak move, that's your prerogative. You can feel that way. Um, you know, I nobody, you know, and Stephen A kept saying he's never seen that before. I recall Moses Malone going to a pretty good 76ers team in the early 80s. I, I recall that happening. <laughs> you know, that that happens. I, I was a that did happen. I was like, we, yeah, four, 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 but we did four, five, four. I was there and loved it. Moses came, yeah, I almost you know, cried. I'm like, we going to get it, baby. Hey, you know what I'm saying? So let's not act like this hasn't happened before. Um, you know, but I get Stephen A's point. It is the easier route, and I think that's the thing that he was trying to highlight. Um, you know, or you could take, you know, the, the opposite view and say, you know what, we kind of created this monster. And when I say we, the media, social media, Twitter, NBA Twitter, um, we dog guys for not getting rings. And NBA players today have grown up watching great players get dismissed because they don't have rings. You know, Carl Malone is never brought up as the greatest power forward to ever play. He should be. He should be, period. He should be. He He was one of the best at his position ever, period, point blank, in the discussion. Never gets brought up. Why? No rings. Charles Barkley, one of the most dynamic talents the NBA has ever seen. People say he's a great People won't say he's an all-time great. Why? No rings. Reggie Miller, one of the best shooters ever, right? The only reason he probably doesn't have a ring is because of Michael Jordan and Hakeem Olajuwon. He's just born at the wrong time. Still one of the greatest players ever. Nobody really talks about him that way, though. Why? No rings. These rings matter. Patrick Ewan. Patrick Ewan would probably be in the conversation as one of the best centers ever. No rings, right? So they see this. It doesn't matter how talented you are, what numbers you put up. If you don't get that ring, all of it is for nothing, for the most part, when it comes to let really solidifying yourself as one of the all-time great. Let, let, let me add to that. It's so bad that even Fat Joe and his recent thing was uh, all up, you know, Pat Ewing, no finger roll, right? Even his, he got a line. He's still reminding you that. He's still yeah. reminding you that in, 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 in the remix. Right, you become part of songs, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's like it keeps getting brought up. So you, you're hitting a great point on that one, man. Right. So we've created this situation where athletes have heard this over and over and over, and then we want to get mad when they say, "Well, at all costs, I'm going to get a ring. At all costs, I'm going to go ahead and check that off the bucket list, and then let the rest of my career speak for itself." You know, and that's what guys are doing. And that's what we're going to continue to see because that's the narrative that we've created, right? That's the paradigm that we have put into the heads of athletes, particularly basketball players, is that you've got to win a championship to be validated as one of the all-time greats. And if you are a competitive player, and that's where people want to question the competitive nature of it, like, well, he's going to the team that beat him and that's not competitive. Well, maybe he's you got to look at competitive maybe from a different angle, right? Maybe you've got to take a step back, a more macro view of it, and say, this is actually a form of competitiveness because he's competing against 
Larry Bird. He's competing against LeBron James. He's competing against Dr. J to be the greatest small forward ever. In order to do that, he's got to get some rings, or else he can't even get in the door of the all-time greats nightclub, right? The bouncer's going to be like, show me your rings, no rings. Mm, you got to go to the club down the street for the really good guys. <laughs> but you can't get into the all-time greats club. You know what I mean? So he can't get past that velvet rope without some rings. And if he wants to really put himself, if he's that a driven player to be one of the best all time, then he's got to get, a player's got to put himself in a position to get those rings, you know. And he's got a hobbit. He's got to go full out hobbit. I mean, you just got a full out hobbit, you know. So he's going to Golden State. You know, the other thing I think people forget about when you're thinking about this is that this generation also grew up watching TV shows like The Power Rangers. <laughs> Yeah. Right? They grew up watching the Power Rangers, and the Power Rangers was always five-on-one. It was never a straight one-on-one. And so when people get mad at kids nowadays for jumping people, we taught them that, man. We, the Power Rangers taught them that, man. Power Rangers stayed jumping people. Stayed jumping people. <laughs> and Durant's just the Green Ranger. He's Tommy. He's the Green Ranger, man. He's coming in. You know, everybody loved the Red Ranger. You know, Red Ranger, Steph Curry's Red Ranger. Everybody loved the Red Ranger back in the day. You know, then you had the Black Ranger. He was kind of a different range, a little break dance, and that's Draymond. You know, Draymond's that, that kind of dark horse ranger. Everybody loved him low. You know, everybody showed love to the black ranger. Then they came out with the green ranger, and the unit just, just – it became a whole different situation. It became a whole different situation. Um, I'm watching Summer League right now. Buddy Hill's going nuts. <laughs> I just had to pause for a second. He didn't hit like three straight threes. Uh, Buddy Hill's going to get it in. Um but, uh, you know, the Green Ranger jumps on the scene, and now, oh, the Power Rangers just blow up. And it takes it to that next level. Like, p- kids love the Power Rangers, right? And that, that's what I'm going to call this. The people trying to figure out what to call them, call them the Power Rangers. That's my nickname for them, the Power Rangers, right? Because that's, that's what it is. They're ganging up on the rest of the league. <laughs> and you don't want to see them Megazords come out, because when the Megazords come out, it's all over. You know the show is going to end. You know, so when the Green Ranger hit, it brought the Power Rangers to a whole other level of popularity where kids everywhere now were on the Power Rangers. And then they even took it to another level. And we haven't got to that level yet. Right now we're just at the Green Ranger phase. But there's another level of this that we might see them get to, and that's the White Ranger. That's when Tommy got the White Ranger suit, and that's KD. KD is Tommy. Now, KD could use this to elevate himself to a whole nother level. And this is where we're going to talk about the on-the-court piece. Tell me what you think about this, man. I think that Kevin Durant is – one of the reasons he left is, you know, and you can look at all the synergy stats and all the sports view stats on NBA.com. Kevin Durant took a ton of contested shots, and he shot a high percentage as far as contested shots go. But he shot the most contested shots in the league last year. He is going to be getting the cleanest looks this man has seen in his life (laughs) since high school. You feel me? And I think that was really appealing to him. I think the idea that this is going to enhance my, my game in ways that I didn't understand. And I think he's going to be able to play with a sense of freedom to just play ball and not have to play hero ball as 
everybody criticized him for, and he kind of got caught up in in OKC because so many of their possessions were bogged down. Um, you know, another stat that's out there about OKC is that they they were the worst team as far as passing the ball. Like when you just count passes, period, right? Just the amount of time the ball is passed, they were last in the league, which is crazy, right? <laughs> right? But that said something about the style of ball that they were playing. So to be able to go into this situation with Steph Curry, with Klay Thompson, who the only shooter in the world better than Klay Thompson is on his team. You know what I mean? Like that that's what was that's what we're looking at right now. The undisputed two best shooters in the world on the same team. Um and then you add in arguably the third or fourth best shooter in the world in K D into the mix. And you know, there's gonna be space to do things and freedom to play a, a game that we haven't seen before and that's that white ranger suit. We haven't seen K D in the White Ranger suit yet. And when we do, um it's going to be fun to watch. Um, defensively, they got to figure some things out. Now, some things that I've heard that I've liked, um, Larry Sanders. I don't know if you remember Larry Sanders. Played yeah. for the Milwaukee Bucks. Was a real nice rim protector. Has a mental health issue. So I don't know how that's going to work out. You know, Larry, Larry's a different kind of cat, you know. But. They're looking to try and sign them. They know they need a rim protector. That's the one thing that I think when you create these super teams, when you form the Power Rangers, you know what I mean, you still got the yellow and red and the pink suit you got to feel. You still got to feel that yellow suit and that pink suit. <laughs> like they got the blue, they got the red, they got the black, they got the green. You got to still feel that yellow and that pink suit. And they ain't got nobody yet wear those yellow and pink suits yet. And you can't have no scrubs in them yellow and pink suits, so if that jump move ain't gonna work so hard. So they gotta figure that out. But you know, it's it's set up this really interesting dynamic where you're gonna go into a regular season and from beginning to end, I think you're gonna have a pretty good idea that the Cavs and the Warriors are on a collision course and we're gonna get the rubber match. And I'm okay with that. I'm totally okay with that. And I think this move solidified the fact that we're probably gonna see these two teams again, not only because you have KD going to Golden State, but because they also weakened their number one rival in getting KD to come to Golden State. They diminished what OKC is now, what, what was their potentially biggest rival is now weaker. Um, and so I think this is going to be a, a very, uh, a very fun season and it's going to lead up to a really, really interesting playoff that's going to have a collision course and a climax with Golden State and Cleveland three uh, for the third straight time. And that's what the NBA hasn't had in a long time is a consistent rivalry where, you know, PAZ has talked about this. They don't like the Warriors in Cleveland, in Ohio. They don't like them. And that's good. That's a good thing. They hated Magic and them in Boston, respected them, but they did not like those dudes. And the same thing in L.A. They respected the heck out of Bird, but they wanted to beat them. And the NBA hasn't had that in a minute. And so I'm excited to see that materialize over time and to see that develop over the course of this season. Um, and that's what the KD – that's one kind of ripple effect of the KD move, like that butterfly effect, right? Something happens – 
and then it changes the course of everything else. That that KD signing there is that that's one of the many butterfly effects that this will have. Um, and I'm excited for that, man. I'm excited, but I think KD is going to be at a whole nother level. Um, like I said, he's going to be rocking that Green Ranger suit. Um, speaking of Green Rangers, you know we was we, we we were trying to Power Ranger this 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 podcast, and we have a special guest in the house, um, Dustin Page, the Wild Card, the other half of the Flagrant Two. <laughs> <laughs> Game changer, what's going on, sir? What's good with you, man? Glad to have you on, bro. Man, I'm great to be here, man. My apologies for my tardiness. I didn't know we confirmed or not, but I'm happy to be here all is well. And, man, last week was a bad week to be on vacation. I'll tell you that. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. <laughs> it, was not the, it was not the week. It was not the week to be on vacation. But we got you here I was right on now, vacation man. with the family in Turks and Caicos, and while I missed all the drama in Dallas and all the reckless uh, uh, reckless abandon and violence in, in our country, but I, but I missed all the great NBA free agency, but I, I caught up in the last 24 hours, so I'm ready. All right, my man. So as you heard, man, I was just liking this Golden State squad um, to the Power Rangers. You grew up right. Me and you about the same age, and we kind of came up, and we were kind of preteens as the Power Rangers was really hitting hitting their stride, right? And, you know, right. everybody wanted to rock with the Red Ranger at first, right? And to me, that's the that, Steph Curry. That's the right. That's <laughs> the dude. That's the dude, right? The Red Ranger, clean cut, you know, wholesome, good leadership, you know. And then then Tommy came on the scene, the Green Ranger, and that just took the whole squad to another level. That's KD. KD's got that Green Ranger. Now, there's an element to the Green Ranger that I was just kind of talking about is that when he got that white suit, right? When Green Ranger got the white suit and he became the White Ranger, it took everything <laughs> to a whole other level. And I think that's what that's what we're going to see with KD eventually. I don't know if it will happen this year, but at some point we're going to see KD put on that white suit. And when he put on that White Ranger suit, the rest of the league going to have to look out, man. You got to look out because <laughs> he's going he's gonna to have more freedom than that man has ever had in his career to just play ball, um, you know, I think him and Russ, I was I was talking to D. Wills, like OKC was the team that passed the ball the least. Not assist, just passing it. Just like here, let's move the ball around. They were the last in the league in just passes during a basketball game. Um, that can be pretty frustrating when you're a dude like – and he contributed that, to that a little bit, so he's, he can't totally get a pass, Durant, because I think he contributed to that a little bit. But at some point – you got when you when you're the second best player in the world, you got to flex. Um, and KD did that; he had to. And and between him and Russ, I think there was a there was a pull, push and pull going back and forth between those two. Um, what were your thoughts when you did get caught up on KD going to Golden State? Uh, well, first I'll tell you this: I love the analogy. That was brilliant. That that it, you need to write an article on that and publish it because that was brilliant. Um, but when I look at the entire scenario of the roster, of the Warriors roster, I would have to slightly disagree with who's the alpha male, who's the red Power Ranger, who's the white, who's the green, because their motto and what they sold KD on was strength in numbers. There's no alpha male on that team. You saw during the, the during the finals, Steph didn't care if he had 20 shots or if he had two shots. 
Clay doesn't care if he gets 40 points or if he gets two points. Draymond just wants to stop somebody. And I think that can be infectious with Durant. And I think that Durant doesn't have to worry about being the second guy or the white Power Ranger or the alpha male. I think that as long as he brings his skill set to the table, Steve Kerr will get him in tune with the rest of that group, and they'll be uh, they'll be one unit as opposed to each individual guy comparable to 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 the great teams and the Golden State Warriors of the past two years. I don't think KD needs to focus so much on being the second alpha male or being the first alpha male or focus on getting his shots. If he comes in with the team concept and the strength and numbers concept, the Warriors will be the team of this decade. They'll be Chicago Bulls 96-97 times two times three times four. Mark my words. I'm thrilled for the, 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 the great state of California. I'm, I'm thrilled for, for Northern California and the Bay Area to, to have what appears to be a dynasty in the making. But I'm a little sad for KD and his legacy. I, I, like I didn't like LeBron and the power play to, to Miami. I'm not sure that this boasts well for his legacy because we're not going to value his championship if indeed he gets a championship next year. I, I, I'm not sure I can value it the same as, as if he had got one in OKC, similar to how, how I value LeBron's Avs championship unlike his two in Miami, if that makes sense to you and the rest of the listeners. No. Yeah, no, it, makes, it makes a ton of sense to me. You got to convince D. Wills and Ph.D. of that concept because it makes a ton of sense to me. You know, we, we have this concept on the show, you know, that I have kind of a champion, which is the, the alpha championships, which is like every team that has ever won has had a dude that has been the leader so to speak, of that particular team who can, as the star player, as the guy who carried the burden throughout the 82-game season in the playoffs and the 16 wins in the playoffs, contributed the most and can say that that ring is their ring. There may have been other great players on that team, but when you look at the Bulls and those six championships, all six of those are Mike's rings. You know what those I'm are Mike's rings. Like Mike gets, Absolutely. Those are Mike's. Scotty got a ring, you know what I mean, all six times. Rodman got three, and they were great players, Hall of Famers, short shot Hall of Famers, but then Mike's rings, you know. Um, and I think, you know, Dallas. Dallas wins the championship. That's Dirk ring. <laughs> That's Dirk's. That's Dirk's. You know what I mean? No one can say that that was their team. That was Dirk's team, you know. In basketball, yes, it's a team game, but we all know that certain players kind of shoulder not only the on-court burden, but the pressure. And this, the pressure that LeBron felt, this was his ring. This was his ring. By this was his ring. You know, Kyrie hit the but shot. I would, I, would, I, I, I would argue with. I would argue with that, but I, I, I would say it's Steph's ring because Steph got the criticism right away. I mean, the loss. Steph got the loss. Steph got the ring. I mean, in this team, that that is yet to be defined. But I, I would say, it, it, up until this point, it was Steph's. The first one was Steph's ring. This one would have been Steph's ring. I mean, I think that's clear. Like, like Steph is a little unassuming because he's not out there talking all the time. But it was clear that the, that the weight is now being shifted on the Steph. Now, how that plays out in this squad is yet to be seen. And, and Clay led that team in scoring. Yeah, but it, it's, you but, can't. But, we but, can't but, say Steph. We can't say Steph don't be talking no more. We can't say that Steph be out there clowning. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he's just, he's just, he's just, he's just, he's just, he's just, 
But Clay, Clay led that team in scoring throughout the playoffs, not Steph this year. But I, but I understand that. But it's still everything fed off Steph in some way. But the cat that's emerging as the Don, that's quietly working it and doing his thing, is Dre. Dre is the person that's sealing this deal. Dre is the one who's moving this stuff behind the scenes. Dre is the one who got this relationship uh, with KD on this. I mean, Draymond has – he ain't being recognized in a way for a lot of different reasons, but he's a driving force on this in an interesting way. And he's going to continue to be that cat watching the floor that everybody's eyes going to go to. It played that music for you. Detroit stand up. Yeah, we got we got stand going in the back. I was wondering if that was a homework comment. <laughs> Every time you start talking about Draymond, we got hit him with that stand. <laughs> I'm Draymond's biggest fan, but I can't be too much of a homer. He's still the third option on that team. He'll now move to the fourth option. I, I think he'll be the same guy he's always been. I think he'll be somewhat limited because KD is going to take – the ball out of his hands a little bit, but I think as long as they continue to to employ Steve Kerr's offense and encourage strength in numbers and nobody play hero ball like KD has been known to do in the past, most recently in these playoffs in 2016, I think this team could 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 win 75 games or more. I, I really could. Yeah, what you gonna see? You know, it's you might as well put the music Justin. on again. Might as well put the music on again. What you're going to see is his ability to move. Dre will be – Dre's the glue. And what you'll see him doing is also be the one that will then lead that second unit as well. He, he can do a lot of stuff that some of those other guys can't do. He can do a lot a little bit, and he's going to make it happen. So that part, he, he's the key to this piece because they're all offensive players in a lot of different ways, but he can do multiple things. That's what makes this thing work. It, it, it ain't gonna You're work right. With just the stuff they do. You're, you're both right here. You're both right. Right. You're both right. Draymond <laughs> um, is still as I as I and it, it, it's funny you said that he's the third option, Justin, in this conversation with me and D. Wills because you haven't even been a part of our text where he and I go back and forth. I sent him three banana emojis because Dre's the third banana. <laughs> Anytime we talk about Dre, I send him the three banana emojis and he always returns back. With the icing on, with the cake emoji, because Dre he says Dre's the icing on the cake, right? And we man, add me to right the group. Up. I need to get in on that. Yeah, we got we got to get you in on that because all the way out that was our little thing, man. That was our little thing. You know, we'd be watching the game, and Dre would do something. I hear I send him like three bananas still, still third banana. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, you know, D would always give me. He would always come back with the ice icing on the cake. <laughs> I hate to say it, he's moving to the fourth banana now, so you don't have to send four. <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking about that, too. Like, do I want to go four bananas? I guess I got to go four bananas. I got to. I you got to go four bananas, man. You got to go Steph one, KD two, Clay three, and Draymond four. There's no other way to play it, and Draymond has to know his role. You know, he's got to he understand does. that. I think he does. He's coming on he's board. Been a, he's been he's, a big part of getting KD there. And I'm going to send y'all back to Blender because he's going to blend all them pieces together. That's all I'm going to do. My next thing is going to be a blender. Send the blender back. That's okay. Well, while he was a big long. part, while he played a big part in getting them there, so did Steph. So did uh, Joe Lacob, the owner. So did Steve Kerr. That was a team pitch. They said they sat in a room with all the executive and six team members, and those six team members were the core of that team. Steph, Clay, Draymond, Iggy, 
uh, I, I, I even think Barbosa was in on those meetings. So I can't say Draymond was the one to, to connect all the dots, but he definitely had an influence. But Draymond needs to know, too, even though he had an influence, his his numbers will suffer next year. But that doesn't matter to Draymond because it didn't matter to Michigan State, and it doesn't matter to the rest of the team because that team believes in strength in numbers, more more so than the, the current NBA champions, the Cleveland Cavaliers. I believe they, they go on LeBron and LeBron only. And I think that 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 ship has sailed with this new power team on the West Coast. Okay. Well, the formation of this team in Golden State, um, and I, I I think they're on a collision course, and it'll be Golden State Cavs again in the finals next year, and I'm looking forward to it again. Um, LeBron beats this team. What does that say for his legacy? This team wins. Does this is, is it? Are we looking at the? Are we on the press of a dynasty? Both things could be true. Um, not simultaneously, but both things could happen, right? Both scenarios are in play. So we'll see how it all plays out. But what this has done is it left the number one challenger to the Golden State Warriors in a very precarious spot. The Oklahoma City Thunder are now left with a star, one of the top five players in the world, Russell Westbrook, who is entering the last year of his contract. Um, And they have to figure out how do they keep their franchise at a competitive position um, in a, a, with high relevancy in the, in the NBA market? Being a small market team, um, this smallest market in the league, how do they continue to – how do they totally not fall off the map in the next three years, already having lost KD and with the potential of losing Russ? Um, I, I think – they got to trade Russell ASAP. They will not, not trade him ASAP. They have to get a commitment on an extension this summer. If you don't get a commitment on the extension this summer, then I'm taking calls. I'm going to sit down with Russ as soon as he's available, if I'm Sam Presti, get him and his peeps in the room, and we're just going to talk. Can we get an extension? James Harden just signed an extension. They can't extend him, you know, uh, for a couple more years. Can we work out an extension? And if Russ says no, they're not ready to talk, then that's my sign that we need to we need to go ahead and move forward and see what we can get for him. And Sam Presti has a history of moving guys before he has to. And to me, in my opinion, that has worked out in Oklahoma City's favor almost every time. Um, I think the Ibaka deal, they got a decent haul, wasn't overwhelming, but they got some decent pieces back. They got younger. They got another backcourt mate for uh, Russ. Um, and I think those pieces would have meshed pretty well with Durant had he have not stayed. Without Durant, I still think they have the, the pieces. And when we get into my, my rankings of the teams as they sit now after kind of the dust has settled with free agency um, at each conference, um, I still think they're a playoff team right now. Um, you know, so I think I, I think moving Russ is the move to make if he's not going to resign. And you move him as soon as possible. You don't wait to the trade deadline because anything can happen between now and then. Um, you know, somebody you want could get hurt. Like, just get get what you want now um, out of folks. What do you guys think about that? Do you think they should uh, – Justin, what do you think? They should, should they move Russ right away or should they hang on to him? Russ is as good as gone. Yeah. This this started long before KD's decision. This started at three one. 
this started when they lost to the Golden State Warriors in, in Game Seven. This started when they chose when they chose to to deal Serge Ibaka. If you really want to take it way back, this this happened when they let James Harden walk and go to Houston when they made that choice. I think James Harden leaving took the core of this team and divided people and, and took the loyalty of the whole. We were the first team in OKC. We were this. We were that. Like that when they let James Harden walk. Loyalty went out the door. And now that they faced some adversity and lost in that game seven after being up 3-1, I think they kind of panicked by 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 trading Ibaka for, for three solid players. I, I love Oladipo and what he brings to the table. Not sure he warranted the number two pick, but, you know, it, it, was a, it was a decent deal for OKC, but it didn't make them better, and they weren't going to beat. Golden State with KD, Russ, and 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 Oladipo as the big three, and I think KD saw that, and I think that that the GM and and front office management sees that in OKC, and they know that Russ ain't staying. Would they know for a fact? Russ turned down the extension this past week. Russ, they could pay Russ 150 million over five years. Russ is not taking that because Russ wants to win. He's a competitor. Russ would take his talents to, to Southern California in a heartbeat and try to turn them into contenders because he knows his ship has sailed in OKC. So if I'm the, the, the OKC management, I'm fielding all offers right now. Get the best players possible. When you trade a superstar, you lose 10 times out of 10, but at least they can get something in return at this point. Right. And so the thing that – so you, you lead me right to, right to the next part of this, you know, thinking about where he could go. Right, and so there are kind of three. In my opinion, there's kind of three play teams that are in play. Now I got L.A., I got New York, and I got Boston. To me, those are the three like most likely destinations for Russ. Now I've got some scenarios. I want to get you and D. Will's opinion on these scenarios and whether or not you take this deal or not. Do you think this is a good deal? So you mentioned Southern California, L.A. Russ is a Southern California kid. He's a SoCal guy. Um, went to UCLA, grew up in, in, in Southern California. Um, the Lakers are kind of his quote-unquote home, hometown team. Um, that might be appealing to him. Now, if he is looking at L.A., um, I think the advantage of making a trade right now for any of these teams is that even if Russ doesn't agree to an extension with you right away, you have a whole year head start on recruiting him um, that other teams, you have access to him in ways that other teams won't. And so that's why even without the promise of an extension, if I'm one of these teams, I still make the move because that gives you a head start. You have, like, you don't have to wait on a meeting. Like, you, you will have him all year, and you have a whole year to prove yourself worthy of his services. And if you can't see them up in that year, you wouldn't get them anyway. You know what I mean? Like, if either of these teams sign for him and they don't get an extension pro- or trade for him and they don't get an extension promise, and they and he and he he doesn't eventually resign with them, then they wasn't gonna get him anyway. Because if you have a whole year and you can't show him that this is the place for him to be, then you you have no shot. So that's one piece of it. So going to L.A. to me, if I'm if I'm OKC, if I'm sending him to L.A., this is what I need to get in return. I need to get Ingram and Russell, and I need to get a first round pick, either in 2018, which is top three protected 
or I need to get their 2019 pick, which is unprotected. I need one of those two picks. I'm sorry, 2017, which is top three protected, or their 2018 pick. Um, but I need one of those two picks, plus both of you guys, Russell and Ingram. If I'm Presky, I ain't taking nothing else because I'm trying to rebuild my squad. I'm trying Man. to get back to relevance. So that's that's what I'd ask for. I need both of them cats. <laughs> if if you LA, you're you're throwing the baby out with the bathwater at that point. I, I I don't know that I'm willing to give up my last year's number two pick and my this year's number two pick. Uh, you know. But you're getting bona fide top five in the world. Which, which I agree with. Anytime you trade a superstar, as I said previously. You losing that deal, so OKC gonna lose in that deal either way. So it, you're right. right. I would probably do that because I still got a solid front court. I love what I've seen from Larry Nance and uh, Junior in, in summer league this year. I think Randall uh, now a year proven uh, with 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 the knee with the uh, foot injuries behind them. I think they got a solid front court. I do my best to keep Ingram, give up Russell. I may even trade Jordan Clarkston. And cash considerations and a future pick for us. I don't know that I want to do away with Ingram just yet, because he could play a, a integral part of the front court moving forward with him and uh, uh, Julius Randle. Okay, okay. But do what All you right, need. Will. Do what you need to to get Russ. I, I, I can't argue more. He's a top five player in this league. Do what you need to to get him. Okay. So D Wills, I'm gonna give you my New York package. All right. I'm, I'm Sam Presti. I'm calling up Phil. I'm like, Phil, hey, Russ, what you want for him? <laughs> you know how we do in the fantasy football talks. That's why I go. You know, I'm going to holler at Phil and be like, listen, Phil, I need I need the big I need big Chris Taps. I need some Zingus in the house. I need big Zingus. And you got to give me two first. And I know you ain't got no first till 18, 19, but I'm going to need both of them. You have to come up both of them first because I need, I, need I need to figure out a way to get young again. Um, I, need to get, I need to get some lottery balls. I need to get another two horses. I need to get two more young horses that I can lock up for seven years apiece <laughs> to keep this OKC thing going because we ain't getting no free agents. <laughs> so are you taking that deal or not? Oh, that's a tough one. Because um, you get the I mean, I don't you get, like, let me lay it out. Let me lay it out. You get to yeah. pair Russ. Um, you can let D Rose walk after the season. You can do the one year thing with D Rose and let him walk. Um, you can try and pair those two together for just this season. But then you have after the, after the season is over, then you have Carmelo and Russ with Joe Kim Noah, Courtney Lee, and you could probably entice somebody to come out there to New York to play with them. You could probably get you another guy if you work your cap right to come out there and play with him, but you got something to start with. Russ and Carmelo together, uh, that ain't a bad combination. I, 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 might, I might come back, like I might hold on to Porzingis and see, I might give you Rose back and those picks. Man, ain't nobody with, taking uh, dead Rose, no trade. And I'm hanging up the phone. Year. And we're done. And we're done. Log off, fam. Log off. <laughs> I'm not giving up for Ziggins, man. Good, Phil. You're breaking up. You're breaking up, Phil. You're breaking up. Must be a Montana connection. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. All I hear is cows. 
all I hear are cows moving right now, bro. And the reason why the reason why I'm saying is like with the team he got right now, he got the, he got the likelihood of pushing it towards the playoffs without having to give up that much. And I, I, I don't know if Phil would give up Porzingis. That's his first legitimate pick. I'm just thinking he wouldn't do it. Okay. Okay. Porzingis is, right. is Phil's claim to fame in New York right now. Yeah, it's the only yeah, good yeah, thing he's yeah. done that's proven. But yeah. then Russ, he can't give up Porzingis now. But if you flip him for Russ, if you say I flip Porzingis for Russell Westbrook, eh, that might give up some cash. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But New York can be different. New York is just a different can be different. But yeah, yeah Porzingis is, is, is like unicorn right now. Yeah. But flipping him for Russ, that'd be pretty big. Because Russ would no. set New York on fire. Game changer. Will, will Russell Westbrook make the New York Knicks contenders next year? Nope. Anything other than no is, is, nope. is, is ludicrous. <laughs> exactly. That nope. said, you can't give up Porzingis. No, I don't know if Russ gives him more victories. Yeah, I don't know if Russ is going to give him more victories than they're going to get by keeping Porzingis and kind of going in that direction. Like, this is a team that might make, has the potential of making the playoffs, might get you about 40, 45 wins, you know, if they can figure out how to – yeah. so, he, Russ is not giving you uh, – that, that's probably the hardest of the three trades you might be suggesting. Okay. So, this is the next trade, all right? Calling up Danny Ainge. Bring, bring, bring. Danny Ainge, what's popping? How you feeling, Holmes? Yeah, I know. You guys, didn't, you guys got Jalen Brown. Yeah, didn't work out. <laughs> Nobody wanted to trade with you. I got a trade for you. How about mm, you want Russell Westbrook on your team when he look good and green? Yeah, he would. How about you give me Brooklyn's unprotected the right to swap picks with Brooklyn next year? All right, Boston right has Brooklyn's first round pick next year. I want that. I want Brooklyn's first round pick in twenty eighteen too. And then just throw in Marcus Smart for the sake of it. You doing that, Justin? Let me chime in. Nah, I'm not doing that, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> Westbrook is not a boss kind of guy. He's not a Brad Stevens type player. Uh, and you, you, I don't know if, if I took this personally because I'm from Atlanta, because I'm, I'm in Atlanta, but I feel like you just poo pooed Jalen Brown with the number three overall pick. I've been following Jalen Brown <laughs> out of Wheeler High School for the last six years since he was in junior high, and that kid I'm very high on. So I don't blame the Boston Celtics organization for taking him at three, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't poo-poo that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't leverage my future on, on, a, on a superstar who's going to give me one year and doesn't really fit well with the team concept that says Al Horford, Isaiah Thomas, uh, Jay Crowder, and all those other guys that are in Boston. Russ doesn't fit okay, in. Okay, let that. me create a vision for you. Let me create a vision for you, real quick. All right, Danny, let me let me let me create a vision for you. All right, we take Marcus Smart off your hands. That open that that kind of alleviates a little bit of a problem in your backcourt. You get Russell Westbrook. Isaiah Thomas can keep coming off the bench and doing what he does with the second unit. Russ is now running your first unit with Avery Bradley. That is probably one of the most athletic backcourts in the league. Avery can lock down the best perimeter player on the other team, which is also going to free Russ up defensively. You add in Al Horford and Russ and and Jay Crowder, who has the ability to guard three or four positions, um, play a stretch four if you need to in a pinch. 
on top of some of the young bigs you got with Tyler Zeller who can run, get out, play a fast-paced game. Olenek can get out, stretch the floor. Now you're looking at a team that with Russ Horford, Isaiah Thomas coming off the bench, and those two defenders out on the wings, you're looking at a team that matches up with Cleveland pretty well and also poses them some problems. Tristan ain't going to be doing what he did to Golden State to Horford, right? Kyrie is going to have Bradley on him, and you'll be able to put Crowder on LeBron for stretches. Nobody stops LeBron, but Crowder is the best thing you got in the Eastern Conference to be able to slow him down. They don't have anybody to guard Russ. Cleveland doesn't have anybody to guard Russ. This puts you in a position to challenge Cleveland. And they don't have anybody to match up with Isaiah off the bench. Back up from again. You, 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 got me, you, you got me lost in so many scenarios. So let me, let me start by saying this. You're telling me you want to take my first-time all-star? My, 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 no, you keep him. You keep him. I'm not taking no. Isaiah from you. Hear me out. Please don't cut me off. Hear me out. You want me to take my first time All Star, my my only twenty point plus per guy, and, and move him to the bench. He was you already think that's going to both go in the locker room. He came off the bench last year. Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, when when Aiden Bradley was healthy, him and Smart started. Playoffs, man. You need game change. I respect you so much. Go back to the playoffs, man. He he was the heart and soul of that team. He was the starting point guard and the ball and was lost. the dominant that they needed, they got them over the hump to actually contend. And Danny, like, Danny, Danny, y'all lost. It didn't work. They didn't have a team to, to win, but you can't move Isaiah Thomas to the bench at this point in his career when he finally got comfortable in a starting role and as a as an all-star caliber player. First and foremost. If you're putting a second top five player in front of him, second of all, second of all, second of all. Second of all, you mentioned Al Horford and defense and rebounding. Those two things don't go hand in hand because he's the single-handed reason why the Hawks couldn't get past Cleveland because uh-oh, Al does uh-oh, not sour grapes. Not rebound. <laughs> I, I, I watched every single all 82 Hawks games. Al does not rebound the basketball. That's why we wouldn't got Dwight Howard because he plays at both ends of the floor. And, and granted, system had a lot to do with it. But you're not counting on Al Horford to get rebounds. And third point and final point, if you tell me one more time that Drake Crowder is the best defender in the Eastern Conference to stop LeBron James, I will never call into this podcast again. <laughs> <laughs> that is I'm absolutely not right here. I'm trying to get I'm trying to get them picks from Brooklyn. I want them Brooklyn man, picks, man. I don't I want, want them picks from Jason Davis from me. That's what Oklahoma City needs to rebuild their team, though. They need to strike gold and get – if they can convince Boston to come up off one of those picks and, and one of their young players, I think that's the best situation. And I think that's the best situation for Russ, potentially, because he's going to be on a team that can compete in the East. And, he, and I, I do think Russ will wind up in the East. If I'm, if I'm Oklahoma City, ain't no way I'm trading him unless I get Ingram and Russell – Unless I get both of them, there's no way I'm trading him to another one. I don't want to see him and KD a couple times a year coming back to Oklahoma City. I'm not interested in that at all if I'm Oklahoma City. So I'm not trading Russ to the West if I'm trading him. He's going east, and Boston has some pieces that are interesting, and New York has some pieces that are interesting. I really don't see another potential place where Russ would go 
and potentially want to resign. I just don't. Um, in the East. Now, Miami, but they don't have anything that you would want as far as as far as far assets. Um, so I think that Presti has his work cut out for him. He's going to have to earn his little check um, because if he has to trade him to the West, that's just – that's gonna be sad, man. <laughs> That's gonna be sad. That's like living next door to your ex. <laughs> That's just not a good look, man. It's just not happy for your mental health. It's just not good, man. Oklahoma City is gonna be traumatized consistently on a regular basis every time Golden State and whatever Western Conference team they would have had to trade West uh, Westbrook to comes to town. Um, so I, I'm 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 almost conf- I'm more confident in saying they're gonna trade Westbrook. To a team in the Eastern Conference, um, I think it's. I think right now it's between, in my opinion, Boston and the Lakers. Um, maybe a team like Atlanta does jump into the mix. I don't know. Um, Atlanta does have some interesting pieces. Um, I think some guys would have to show that they are going to play above their pay grade a little bit, like a Schroeder or um, somebody of that nature would have to. Some young piece would have to show himself to be. Um, a potential star on the cusp, but those those Brooklyn picks are are the things that I want, um, and you know it gives Danny Ainge to to finally get the star that he's been looking to try and flip picks um, to get. Um, so it allows him to be able to kind of tip his uh, put a feather in his cap a little bit and be able to say, hey, look, I got Russ, um, and I got Horford, and now we're the second best team in the East. Um, and, and we can we can we can bring some star cachet into a Boston Cleveland potential conference final type matchup. Um, otherwise, you know, Danny has been stacking these chips for what? This is the, I think this is the moment Danny Ainge has been waiting on. This is the top five. This is the only top five guy who's going to be available. And what else is he waiting on? Let me chime in. Stacking assets Wait. for forever. Go ahead. What I, I my fantasy basketball crew, we got a group text message going on. Somebody commented earlier in the week and said, Boston Celtics are that guy in your fantasy draft room that offers you everything under the table for their star player but don't want to give up their star player. Like, Boston is not going to make any deal that gives up a star player. And they only have two at this point, Isaiah Thomas and Al Horford. They'll give you all the bench players, all the role players in the world for your star. And this is a star's league. Boston has been stockpiling these draft picks for four seasons now and hasn't been able to execute a big-time deal. Danny, Danny Ainge will be, should be relieved of his, his duties within the next 24 months because he's not going to be able to offer somebody game changer and JP for 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 Kevin Durant. <laughs> like right. he's been he's been throwing out draft picks, draft picks, draft picks and 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 role players for stars and nobody's willing to bite. You know why? This is a stars league. Boston is not getting a star. They're not getting Russell Westbrook. The New York Knicks, they're not getting stars. They, they, the New York Knicks are the are the are the uh, star childs for for an orthopedic surgeon. They got all guys who've had two <laughs> knee surgeries in the past two years. Derek uh, Rose, 
Brandon Jennings, and, and, and Joakim Noah and Courtney Lee. So I don't like your Boston scenario. I don't like your New York scenario. The first one is the only one that makes a, a tad bit of sense, and I think you're sleeping on, on, on some some other contenders for Russell Westbrook's services. Yeah. Yeah, and like I said, I could see like if I'm if I'm OKC, I only do the LA thing if I'm getting those two because I don't want to see him again, right? I don't want to see you uh, four times a year. I don't want to do two homes and two aways with you, and then do two homes and two aways with KD, unless I'm getting Ingram and Russell. Then I'll do it. <laughs> then I'll do that. <laughs> but unless I'm getting that deal, one of them is not going to be enough if I'm saying Presti for me to trade Westbrook to a Western Conference team. And, again, you said it, though. Ainge has been stockpiling these picks and these young players for the last four or five years. It's time to cash in those chips. And Russ is the top five player that's on the market right now. If you haven't been stacking those chips to make this move, then what are you waiting for? Who are you waiting to come available? You know what I'm saying? Like, are you waiting on Anthony Davis? That's a, at that point, Al Horford's 33. You know what I mean? So, like, who are you waiting for to come available so that you can cash in these chips? And so that's why I think Boston is going to be desperate to move things, assets, players, and picks. And I think OKC is going to be desperate to get Russ to the East. And I think that's where, to me, that's the strongest marriage right there. Whether it's a perfect marriage of on-court chemistry, they'll have to work that out. Brad Stevens will have to figure that out. He's a smart dude. He seems to have the right mentality for coaching NBA guys. And he figures out how to make it work. Um, and I think he will with Russ because Russ and Isaiah Thomas are similar types of players with different body types. Both of them chucking. <laughs> Both of them going hard, <laughs> both of them chucking, and he's made Isaiah Thomas an all-star. Um, so I think he can figure it out. And But more importantly, it saved Ainge's backside because it does give him the headline that he's been hunting for the last four years of I've brought this top five talent in the world to Boston, and that's going to buy him another four or five years. Um, so Ainge has the impetus to make this move. OKC has the impetus to make this move. If Boston is willing to throw in those picks, I think OKC takes a, a deal where they don't get necessarily a star. Like they, I don't think they need to get Isaiah Thomas. I think they'd be happy with Marcus Smart, let him grow at the point, let Oladipo do his thing, get them two booking picks, now they got possibly two number ones, two top three picks, and they can just re- they can just start it all over again with a, a really strong draft coming next year. And Brooklyn is going to be bad because they didn't sign anybody. They had two restricted kids that they tried to get. They both got matched, Tyler Johnson and Allen Kraft. So Brooklyn is going to be bad. I mean, 76ers bad this year. Um, so they're looking at potentially a number one pick or at least a top three, which with with – from what people are, are saying right now, and this could all change once the college season gets going, but with about four four to five guys who people are viewing as potential all-star talents um, in this upcoming draft, that's what OKC needs. They need to get some young dudes in here because they're not going to get free eight. That's just not going to play. I'm sorry. Ain't nobody signing up for that. <laughs> There's certain things well, and, and, up for it. Game change. Let me add something here. So I, I've talked to a couple people who uh, – feel like they're a little bit close to the situation over in OKC. The, the, the idea of him staying isn't totally out the door for what I'm, what, what I'm hearing. The other thing is that 
part of his decision, and I think this is part of the KD decision that I, I, that these guys are going to be making that we don't think about as much. That's a little bit more nuanced. So it's not just about the brand, but it's about this element around business. I think the as much as the, the playing with the team, I think the Silicon Valley piece that I know Eagle Dollars probably was talking about around the long-term business venture piece, being in that those kind of connections is important. I think Russ, that's part of Russ's decision about where he goes next. And I think for him, because of the kind of things he wants to be in, L.A. and New York, I think, are two attractive things. I think the only problem with the Boston deal, and I think uh, Justin hit this right on the head, is that um, – Russ's willingness to be in that space. It's not the, for Russ, it, and we've always said, like, you don't need to be somewhere for the brand to be strong, but for what Russ wants to do, it's, if he's not an OKC, I think it's L.A. and it's New York. And so I think that's part of the issue that we have with Boston right now. People aren't seeing, I don't know if they're selling those other aspects of being in Boston, even though it's one of the top financial kind of districts and community and area when you talk about that opportunity. I don't know how much they're, they're able to sell those elements of that in a way that I think is beginning to be part of Golden State's presentation with Silicon Valley. So I think that's one of them. That's that 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 might be an issue yeah, with the Boston pick because but I wouldn't over, that, that's I wouldn't part overplay. Of I wouldn't overplay the Silicon Valley connection. And that that's like if you're going to give parcel pieces to it, I think that's maybe like a ten percent chunk. Uh, the the biggest piece for Golden State was we got Draymond, we got Steph. We got Clay, and we'll have you. <laughs> That's what drew KD there, right? That's what ultimately yeah, but, got KD there but, with but that piece I, but, on the but, court. But, 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 but I think that's always part of the presentation, even if it's 10%. 10% is about what you need when you're making these decisions. It's not just – Yeah, but I don't think that's important. I don't think that's important. That's why the Lakers couldn't get no meetings. That's why the Knicks couldn't get no meetings. KD didn't even meet with them because I don't think that's that important anymore. I don't think that's as important as the world. But I think that's a part of his package, but I think it's an even more important part of Russell's package. I think it's even I, I, more I, important I, part of Russell's I, package. I disagree. I don't think players that nowadays are that, are that concerned with him. Russ is already I'm doing those things. Let me, let me chime in, fellas. Russ is already doing those things from OKC. He's already but in I, commercial. But I'm, but He's already talking, that's not the element. doing fashion. I'm talking fashion. about the immersion. But I'm, I'm talking about the immersion. A lot of the stuff is on the street. Is New York is a, a private place, not just because of being a Knicks. It's because of what it offers from an outside business, what it offers from a TV opportunity, what it offers to give you that straight-hand look while you're playing. You still could be on Kelly Live. All those pieces are part. You can do that in L.A. and New York, those pieces Man, Boston, that are a little bit Boston different. Boston is a less, than, a less than an hour train ride from New York if you want to be on Kelly and, Kelly and whoever her host but, is. But, but I think that's a big issue for him going east for West Coast guy. I, and, I'm the not, Celtics, I'm and, the, and the Celtics franchise – is more of a uh, – in itself can do those things, right? When you talk about being a Celtic, that's, that's – and, 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 and Celtic on us. a winning team, not going to the Knicks, that's that, a, a stripped-down Knicks, because you're going to have to strip it to get anything. And the Celtics are the one team that can offer something without stripping their whole roster. I just think for Russ that would be – And that's where Carmelo messed up. And that's where Carmelo messed up. Was Melo and I agree with went you. to New York? I, 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 everything you said, everything and forced him to have to give up all this stuff, all of these players, and now he's stuck in purgatory. I, I just think I, I got a feeling, Russ. That that's problematic. It shouldn't be. I just I just feel like it is. 
I, I think people underestimate Russ. I think Russ wants to. I think again, we're talking about the wrong dude. The dude I see wants to win more. And this is the dude that will bite your face off to win basketball games. And y'all telling me this dude is going to care about some fashion over winning? I disagree. I disagree. I'm sorry, it's Game Change. I've been on the bench long. I gotta chime in. Go ahead. There's no way Russ, being the alpha male that he is, goes to a situation where their best player averages 28 minutes a game. Brad Stevens is, is his the culture in his locker room is like that of the Golden State Warriors, and there's being strength in numbers. Russ is an alpha male who needs the ball and who in his hands who dominates the basketball. And Russ is not going to be able to be Russ under a Brad Stevens coached team in a town like Boston. I'm sorry. That's why a guy like Al Horford, he fits in Boston. Unassuming, not too, you know, aggressive. He fits in well with the concept of team. Russell Westbrook needs a team where he can dominate the organization, i.e. OKC, i.e. Los Angeles Lakers, who are dying for a star. Boston's not dying for a star. They're doing actually pretty well with some mediocre ball players. Russ is not going to Boston and and, and changing that franchise. Like he he would he, he would laugh at that concept because that's not the the style of ball he wants to play. I'm sorry, I can't, I can't get on board with this. Well, they might trade him. Like he might not have a choice. He might not stay. Like, because, so, so, J.J., what you're talking about is the deal. Danny might think we can convince him that's the right place. So the deal could happen even if he don't like it because he, he don't have a no-trade clause. Russ is not going anywhere where he can't sign long-term. He doesn't want to be that guy that's on three and four teams out his career. If he leaves OKC, he's going to his last destination, and he's going to where he can win and make that team a contender on his own. And I but think I'm that's going to be the Los Angeles Lakers next year. Mark, Mark, I'm Mark. saying if Sam Presley, if Sam Lakers Presley ain't got nothing to give. Though. Lakers ain't got nothing to give. They don't have nothing to oh. give. They shouldn't give. Get him in free agency next year. The Lakers aren't gonna get him in free agency. <laughs> Nobody met. I don't. With the Lakers. I don't. I don't think you guys understand it. Nobody met with the Lakers. <laughs> Nobody met with them this year. Like nobody. They had to get. What other stars from LA? What other star went to UCLA? What other star the is a fashion? The Rosen went to SC. DeRozan went to SC. He didn't even get him a meeting. I wouldn't even want DeRozan if I was the Lakers. They did, And, and I'm telling you. And he didn't even give him a meeting. And, and, <laughs> Ain't nobody trying and, to hear that Laker might, mess no more. And, and I'm going to tell you right now, there might be some words that there's some people who might not want Russ to even come home, some family members. So there's some reason, some other folks that might not even want him in that space. So that that's that, – so there's a whole bunch of pieces. I mean, if I'm the Lakers, I'm not hanging on that. If you can't, if you want him, you better get him in a trade. I'm not going right. to wait until next year because y'all just, y'all just have not been And that's the benefit of trading. That's what that I said trade. earlier. That's the benefit of trading for him is if you trade for him, you got a year to prove you can do something. But if you let it get to free agency, anything can happen because now you're competing with everybody. And the Lakers really ain't in a position to do that. I mean, you you compete, you, you competing with uh When you're talking you about the on-court product, right, when you're talking about the on-court product, right, you can see it in Miami. Like, you know, they, they Riley thought he was the Riley Riley thought he was the one who orchestrated the whole big three with LeBron and, and the Super Friends situation with LeBron and no, nah, that was dumb. You ain't you ain't that hot, Pat. <laughs> and he's realizing that. Like 
Miami hasn't really ever been a free agent. Like, really, outside of LeBron and Chris Bosh coming there, Miami has never been, like, the spot for free agents to go to. And I think Riley's realizing that. Like, um, yeah, who has he re- ever really gotten? I'll wait. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, these teams that are thinking, well, we'll just get them in free agency. If you ain't got no on-court product, players nowadays, again, the ring chasing is really important legacy. And, for again, you're talking about ultra-competitive Russell Westbrook. He's going to want to be on a good team. And that's not going to happen in New York, and that's not going to happen in, in, in L.A. That's why I disagree. I think, I think Russ's competitive nature, he, he, I think Russ hates Kevin Durant today. I think Russ hated <laughs> LeBron when he went to Miami. I think Russ is, is like you, me, uh, <laughs> and, and Larry Bird, who, who, who made some uh, startling comments here uh, yesterday. I think Russ is, is that 80s, 90s type competitor where, where is, is what LeBron was a trailblazer for, this whole teaming up and making power moves to make super teams. I think that's frowned upon in Russell Westbrook's uh, household. And, and while I don't blame him whatsoever – I think that's going to drive him to go to a team next year where he could care less if he wins or loses as long as he's the one driving the the, the ability to win or lose. I think he'll rather compete for a championship on his own than go team up with other guys, which yeah, is why he'll go back to his hometown. I think losing will drive that man nuts. Because <laughs> he's never – I mean, he's never really lost in the league. He hasn't lost He lost last year. He didn't even go to the playoffs. Right, and, you, and I think that, and I think that drove him nuts. I don't think he liked that. I don't think he liked that at all. I don't think that's. I don't think that's I what think he signed up. For. The alpha male, and he averaged damn near a triple double. That's and why I, he liked. I I, 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 I see a different Russ. I see a dude that cares more about winning, and I think he plays the way he plays because he wants to win. I think he so goes you, all out like that because he wants to win games, not because he just wants to be the dude. I think he wants to win games, and I think that's why he plays. The ferocity I see is a ferocity that you get from wanting to win games um, and wanting to win at all costs. Um, and that, that does lead him to then think he has to do it by himself, but I don't think he is necessarily out there like, I'm just going to get buckets. I think he's out there trying to win. And in winning, sometimes he, he cuts off his nose to spite his face. Um, and he tries to play hero ball because he wants to win the game, not because he just wants to put up jack up numbers. That's not the dude I see. And I think winning for him is paramount. And I think if he can find a situation where he can win, I think that's going to be the first thing that he, that he's going for. Now, I don't know the brother personally um, and his off-the-court interest. And, again, I, I think again I think that stuff isn't as important to players as it was five or six years ago because, again, nobody met with, nobody of note met with New York. Nobody of note even had a meeting with L.A., so guys aren't viewing those markets as for those opportunities. They're not even looking at that right now. Um, you know, Horford didn't meet with the Lakers. Horford didn't meet – I mean, just you, whatever top free agents you name this year, none of them met with the Lakers or the Knicks. And New York is still New York, and L.A. is still L.A. The only difference is the teams suck. <laughs> and so nobody's trying to look at those teams. That's the only difference. If New York has all these opportunities and L.A. has all these opportunities, they'll be getting meetings because the communities haven't changed. The only thing that's different is the teams aren't very good. And so now they're not well, getting I meetings. Think, well, that's because the teams aren't I good. Would say, I, 
I would say this, but I think Russ is different. I think Russ, when he's going there, he can change it. I believe he understands that he can he can not only get these goodies, but he can be the cat who turns into Russ. I believe he thinks that. And, and, and reasons, I would say said, that if he were 24. And I would say that if he were 24, Russ is going to be a nine-year vet. He knows the league, and he knows one man can't do it by himself. He knows that. He's been in the league way too long to be thinking like a 23-year-old, like I'm going to go there and change everything by myself. Yeah, but nobody but, but else either, has been able to do that. I would say on, 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 if your New York trade came off, he's not going in there in the cupboards empty. It, it's a little older, but he's got some pieces he could work with. That's why I think the L.A. one is a little bit tougher because however the L.A. one play out, there's still some building to go. Like, it ain't that one yeah. that's happening. He, he better off staying in Oklahoma City. Like, because the piece he's got yeah. in Oklahoma City, if he can lead them, they can win. The bonus is yeah, not they can be good. I mean, he's they got some nice pieces. They can be good if he can lead. If he led like he did last well, year and he was leading with this group, this group can play. So let's get into that. Let's get into that as we as we kind of close this. We're going to go a little bit over time here, if you guys don't mind. You good with that, Justin? I was late to the party. I'll be late. Uh, I'll be late going to bed. It's all good. All right. I won't keep you too long because I know you're on the East Coast time. I was on the East Coast time a little bit for my vacation, man. I don't know how y'all do it. <laughs> I don't know how y'all do it, man. I'm trying to watch the fight. It's harder during the NBA playoffs. I know, because that's where I went. That's when I was out there doing the finals, and I was on the East Coast, and I'm trying to watch the games. I'm like, man, yo, it's 11 o'clock. <laughs> and the game is in, like, the end of the third quarter. I'm like, what? How do people on the East Coast even do this? The game started at 9. <laughs> like, I, even, I was like, man, I can't even do it, man. I can't live on the East Coast. <laughs> it's only for true fans. <laughs> You're right, you're right, because I'd, I'd be missing all the end of basketball games. I'd be sleeping, sleeping. <laughs> I could not even do it, I'm telling you. I was there for a week, and I'm like, yo, man, this is – like, I literally thought that. Like, I had I out loud told my wife, like, I don't even know how people on the East Coast do this. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is – the game don't start till 9. It's good because you can go do a bunch of stuff and then come in and not have missed any of the game, which that's a, that's a perk because, you know, usually – you know, I might miss the first quarter or first half because the game starts at eight, and you know, I still got I'm coming from something with my kid, a practice or something with a kids' practice, something like that. You know, somebody in my house has got something going on, so I'm out, and then I come in and I catch the rest of the game. But uh, yeah, so but anyway, I digress. Um, let's get into I, I ranked the conferences, um, kind of like the top eight with a couple of the teams below that I think Mike could challenge for that 7-8. Because that 7-8 seed is always hard to predict um, because you just never know. Um, injuries, chemistry, teams just falling apart. I mean, the Rockets were in the conference finals uh, the summer before last, and then last year they didn't make the playoffs. So you just never know how things are going to play out with some of, in, in some situations. So this is what I got. We'll start with the Eastern Conference because that's the less interesting of the two conferences for the moment. Um, at the top, I don't know that's I Cavaliers. What's that? I don't know that that's accurate. I feel like the East was, was more competitive throughout the regular season than most people gave it credit for this year. But I don't want to start any trouble. I know we're winding down. So let me, <laughs> let, let's just hear where you're going with this. Well, well, just, just hear me out. Just hear me out. Maybe I can sway you a little bit. Maybe I can sway you. So we got the Cavs at the top, right? The Cavs are going to be at the top. Um, unless barring an injury to Kyrie, a, a, a long, 
a season-long injury to Kyrie or LeBron, I think the Cavs will still finish as the one seed, um, especially if LeBron is healthy. If LeBron is healthy, they're a one seed. You know, um, how strong of a one seed will depend on Kyrie's health, which, again, is something that you can't always count on. Um, Kevin Love's health, which, again, is something you can't always count on. Um, but the Cavs are in, are in the catbird seat right now in the, in the East. Um, the second team I have, the Boston Celtics. Um, I think adding Al Horford to what they already had, I don't think they're a strong contender or challenger to the Cavs. Um, I think it's the Cavs and then uh, empty space and then everybody else um, is in another tier below the Cavs, and I don't think there's a real challenger, like a next level of contender, but I think there are three to four teams that are just good basketball teams, but I don't see them as like, yeah, you're going to win a championship in the next couple of years. I just don't see that in the East or threaten the Cavs. I don't see a threatening team, but I see some teams that are going to be competitive and good. Um, like, yeah. So the, the Celtics, I think, are the best of that group. Um, the next tier or the next team is the Indiana Pacers as a three. Um, I think the Pacers made some good moves, um, getting Jeff Teague. Um, I think he finally gives them a decent point guard. Um, another shot creator outside of um, Paul George, uh, adding Al Jefferson at a bench uh, wage is going to help him come in, and they'll be able to do some things with the second unit. So I think they added a little bit of punch. Um, Miles Turner is going to have another year under his belt. I think he's going to be a really good player in a year or two. Uh, we may see him make some strides this year. But, again, I still don't see them as a really legit championship caliber team. Um Next team is the Toronto Raptors. Um, again, I think they're good, but I think they've fallen into kind of, kind of that flight pattern that the Hawks were in during the Joe Johnson, Josh Smith, early Al Horford era, where they were good every year, but they just never really were like – you just never felt like that. Yeah, they figured it out, and now they're going to be a really, really good team. They were just good, and that's okay, but I don't think they're going to really challenge either, and I think the Pacers and Celtics getting better is going to push them back a little bit. Um, because they won't be able to, they won't be able to feast as much as they did last year on some of the some of the uh, more average teams in the East. Then you got the Hornets, um, who I think will be solid, um, but you know, not overly impressive as they always are. They're just kind of there. Like the Hornets are just they're a good team. They got Kimba, you know, Kid Gilchrist. Kid Gilchrist will be back. But they have some decent players. Um, they have a style and a philosophy which. That's one of the first things you always look for in a team. Do they have an identity? Do they know who they are? And the Hornets do. Um, the next team I got at the sixth spot is the Knicks. Um, I think if D. Rose can be just decent um, with Chris Dapps and Carmelo and Courtney Lee and Noah, I think is going to bounce back. They can be a sixth seed in the East, and I think they can be a solid team. Um, they'd be a scary team in the playoffs just because, you know, Carmelo, I still think, has has the ability to go off. Um, they got to figure out what they're going to be defensively, um, if they're going to try and become something more than just a playoff team. But right now, they're a solid playoff team. Um, down here, it gets a little tricky. Um, at seven, I got the Pistons. Um, I think they continue to grow. They had a nice young group last year. I think they continue to grow. And this is a team that could jump up and be a six or a five even. Um depending upon the development of a Reggie Jackson, um, Stanley Johnson, uh, Andre Drummond, some of those guys, um, and how they continue to gel. They could bump up a little bit. 
Um, and then at the eight, I got the Miami Heat. Um, and that is totally contingent upon Chris actually playing basketball games. If Bosch don't play, they're not a playoff team. Um, so those are kind of – that's kind of my eight. Moment. Go ahead. What you got to say? I'm sorry. I'm the not used to cutting people off. I, I typically give you your just do, especially since we're on the air and I know how for cutting people off, how, how it makes for bad radio. However, <laughs> how in the H-E double hockey sticks – can you leave off the the only team that's been in the playoffs the last decade in the Eastern Conference, the longest tenured team in the playoffs, who upgraded at the center position in the Atlanta Hawks? And two, how do you leave off the Chicago Bulls with the newly acquired backcourt of Rajon Rondo and Dwayne Wade? Yeah, let me explain. Let me explain. And the Milwaukee. Hawks, I, and Milwaukee. And let me, I'll, I'll explain all three because they're still on my list the, in the next tier um, as teams that could get in the mix. We'll start with uh, the Hawks. All right, Atlanta. I'm, I'm, you know me. I ain't no Dwight fan, period. We'll, full stop. We'll, we'll, we'll just – I'll pause. <laughs> I ain't no Dwight fan. So I think my homeboy's fool's gold. Um, so that's one thing. Number two, Schroeder. I'm not sure what he's gonna be. I'm just I haven't seen him enough. I just haven't seen him enough. You've seen him more than me. I'm not sure what shooter is gonna be at the point, right? So that's a question mark. I don't even know who their wings are other than Corver. And Corver is getting up there and it's kind of becoming a, a a for real one trick pony right now with just the shooting and not being able to give you a whole lot else. Now beyond those three dudes, I don't even know what they have as far I know who's on the team. And I know who's on the roster. Like, I like Bembry. I think Prince was an interesting pick, but I like it. It seemed to make sense given what they're trying to do. Um, they're going to have to get something from Hardaway. Baysmore is a nice role player. Um, they're paying him a lot of money, but he's a nice role player. We just player. paid him $70 million. Um, Yeah, yeah. But he's a nice role player, and I like Baysmore's game, and I like what he does. But I just don't see enough there on the wings to really – and with the question about Schroeder, I, I – I don't know. Let me ask you this: Why is there a question about Shooter? When why is there a question about Shooter when he and T had identical numbers and he averaged four less minutes a game than T last year? Well, that's the reason. The only question mark about Dennis Shooter is his outside jump shot. The guy defends better than Teague. He 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 attacks the pick and roll better than Teague. He scores the basketball better than Teague. The only thing he doesn't do as well is shoot the outside jump shot. Like I said, it, I don't know. I don't know his game that well, so I, I still have to see what he looks like in a lead role. Like it's, it's different when you're spending half your minutes going against the second unit. Um, now he's gonna be getting those first unit minutes. We'll see. He could you he could that could very well be no drop off. I'm not in a position to say that definitively. That's all I'm saying. Um, okay. Who else did you say? You said. Uh, um, Chicago uh, with the newly renowned backcourt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's, yeah. Let's talk about Rondo that. and D Wade. So like, I like D Wade. I don't like him playing with Rajon Rondo. <laughs> I like Jimmy Butler. Oh, led the league in assists like last year. Rajon Rondo. He did. He did. But Rondo hunts for assists. He is. He's an assist hunter. And so, like, he, his assists aren't situations where he's necessarily creating shots that wouldn't be there. He's just making the pass to the shot that was already that you already were going to get. 
So he's not, like, really creating anything for anybody else. He's just dribbling the ball until he can make a pass to somebody who is cutting to the basket. And how is D-Wade going to play with that, with a guy who is going to have the ball as much as Rondo is? And how I'm, I don't know what the Bulls are quite thinking. Like, it, it's one of those things where it makes sense on a video game because I can control how much Rondo has the ball on the video, on 2K. <laughs> like, I can just sub him out. I can just take the ball out. I can make him pass. But you can't make Rondo pass in real life. And, you know, so that's my concern is that Rondo at the point, even having a ton of assists, doesn't necessarily mean those assists are him creating shots for other people that they wouldn't normally get otherwise. To me, that's where you see special. And that's where we, when we get to talking about Ben Simmons, we can talk about that a little bit too. But, like, uh, that's that's what I see in Rondo's dude that wants the ball all the time. And D-Wade needs the ball because he can't shoot. He's not a shooter. That's just not his thing. And he's 34 and he's not going to be a shooter. He, at this point in his career, it's safe to say he's not going to be a shooter. So then who is going to be able to shoot on the court? Butler's an okay shooter. Rondo's a non-shooter. D-Wade's a non-shooter. So now you've got two non-shooters on the court, plus whoever your center is is probably going to be a non-shooter. That's three non-shooters on the court. You can't do that in the modern NBA anymore. Like, that is a very difficult way to win in the NBA with that type of spacing with guys who want to slash. Butler's biggest strength is his slashing. D-Wade's biggest strength is his slashing. Rondo's biggest strength is his passing and slashing. And there's not going to be space for them to do those things when none of them can shoot. So that's my th- I think the Bulls are a poorly put-together squad. They have some big names. I think that's gonna, I think that situation is potentially – and they have a weak coach. <laughs> that's the other thing. They don't have a strong enough personality to be able to get Rondo to do the things that are going to help them win games. And I just think Chicago is going to be a tire fire this year. I think this may be the year that packs and them get fired. This is going to be the year that gets them dudes fired because I think they just – they think they know too much. And they 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 started the offseason talking about they're going to retool. And then they traded Rose. And it's looked like, okay, they're going to clear house and kind of start this thing over. And then they signed Rondo and Wade. And it's like, I thought y'all were going to try and start over. Like, these dudes ain't come here to start over. You know, and if they are coming to start over, then they come and just poach numbers. And that ain't going to work either. So that's why I don't like the, like the Bulls. Now, the Bucks. Now, I do have a close eye on this team, and I still think they're a year away. They still have to figure out their center position. They still haven't gotten rid of Monroe. They still don't know what to do with MCW. Um, they still don't have enough shooting. Giannis, his jumper isn't there yet. Now, maybe they take some strides this year. Jabari's three-point shot isn't there yet. Um, playing Giannis at the point kind of alleviated that a little bit because he had the ball, so you had to cover him. Um, maker is a nice pick, I think, it's a sign that they understand what they can be, which is a super long team, right? I think that's the next evolution in basketball is playing small ball with big players. And I think they, they see that with the versatility that Maker brings, both offensively and defensively. Having a couple of seven-foot guys who can both switch off and move their feet is going to make them something different in a couple of years. I just don't think they're there yet. Delhi was a nice pickup as a 3-and-D point guard, but they still have to get some more shooting on the wings, and I don't think they have that yet. And they still have to get their defensive swag back that they had two years ago that they didn't have last year. And that's because they got rid of all the vets. They got rid of the Jared Dudley's. They got rid of the Zaza Pachulia's and the Irsan Ilyasova's, who weren't great players, but they know that they, they're vets. And they knew where to be and they could be in the right spots and they could do the right things. 
um, and that made their defense dangerous because people were always where they needed to be, um, and that wasn't there last year, um, and that's why their defense wasn't nearly where it was the year before when they made the playoffs. Last year they kind of sucked it up and said, we got to play our young guys, and we got to allow them the chance to make mistakes and get better, and they did that. But I still think they're another year away potentially, unless somebody makes a big leap and a big jump. They're probably another year off from really kind of starting to kick in the door in the East. Um, but I, I do feel good about where that team is going, um, and they'll be. I think they'll be a force to reckon with um, in a couple of years. I just don't think they're there yet. So that's why I left those three teams off. Um, and, and last but not least, Washington. I just don't know what they're trying to do, man. I really don't. <laughs> I just, I mean, the front court is a little bit of a mess. Um, I like the Porter, Beal, Wall kind of foundation that they're trying to build around. But I just don't, I don't know, what, what else do they What else do they have? You know, and they, they had the, basically the same pieces last year. And, you know, Beal he just is too injured for me, and I like his game. And me, 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 you're going back and forth on Bradley Bill. I like his game, but he's always hurt. I can't do that. <laughs> I can't Don't you dare say a bad word about Bradley Bill. As bad as I've talked about him, and you talked about me for it in, in previous years. <laughs> but listen, you're not I allowed to say anything bad hurt. against Bradley Bill. <laughs> listen, I can't. I do told that. you he, he could play. He could play. You didn't predict. You say he couldn't play. He can play. You he can play when healthy. Yeah, when has he been healthy? Exactly, and that's that's why I'm kind of like, dude, you gotta you gotta play some more. Like, I, you can't get the game changer seal of approval when you're always in street clothes. <laughs> <laughs> so I gotta take that back. I gotta take that back. So that's why I'm off the wizard. I do like the what the Magic did a little bit. I feel like they I feel like they could be a sneaky team that sneaks into this defensively. Um, I think with Peyton. And Gordon um, and Ibaka, you can have three kind of defensive-minded guys. Um, and Biombo, they're gonna have to figure out their minute situation though in the front court. But Orlando could be a team that sneaks in and does does some damage as well. So um, that's 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 me in the East, man. Um, and I know you're kind of mad about about the Hawks, but. It, they could be. They, they were, they were the right at my number nine. They were you right at my number Hawks. nine. We, we're the we are the longest standing Eastern Conference playoff team under right. Coach Bud. That is, that is a fact. Never, I'm sorry. I say, and that is a fact. You are right. That is a fact. That and that's what I'm saying. Like you can't count us out. And when essentially all we did was swap our backup point guard for our number one point guard. And we signed an equally competent backup point guard in Jared Jack, who's coming off an injury, but 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 who's coming back home, who went to Georgia Tech, who's motivated, can still put the ball in the hole. And we traded, you know, our somewhat immobile center. We swapped him out for a more athletic center who can rebound a little bit better and do all the things I can do minus step outside and hit the outside jump shot. I really like what what – Coach Bud and, and GM Bud did to change the, the scope of the team. I know we'll make the playoffs. I know we'll be in the second round. Depending on the matchup, we could be in the conference finals yet again like we were two years ago when we won 60-plus games. 
But for you to have us out of the playoffs, I think it's asinine. I think it's it's, it's kind of disrespectful to disrespectful to the franchise. <laughs> I really do. Well, I don't mean no disrespect. I'm just calling it like I see it, man. And maybe I'm seeing it wrong. I've been wrong before. That's the thing about this. You can always be wrong. Nobody's right all the time. Um, I hope for your sake that they are in the playoffs because we need to have we need to, we need to you need to have that in your life, man. You need. To, I'm, I'm waiting on my bucks to get to the playoffs. <laughs> So that I can have some playoffs, because I see how it changed PhD. Like PhD had this little hop in his step all spring, man, because he knew his squad was gonna be in it. I need that in my life, man. <laughs> <laughs> we all need a little bit of that, man, because it just, it just you just feel a little bit better about yourself when you you know the guys that are out there and that are on the court, you know, and that's your team in the finals and the conference finals, and you got a rooting interest. So let me slide through the West, man, as we finish this up. So my Western Conference picks. Number one, I got the Warriors. Surprise. <laughs> How could you not? Surprise. Yeah, I got the Warriors. Uh, number two, I got the uh, Los Angeles Clippers. Mm-hmm. I think the continuity that they have with Blake and CP3, um, I just feel like this is their chance. If they're going to have a chance to kind of put themselves in the mix, this has got to be it. After this year, I don't know if you can keep that group together um, and keep running back the same group of dudes every year in, year out um, in perpetuity. So I think this is it. The Clippers got it. This is this is that moment where they got to figure it out or they're breaking up the band. You know, this is that album. Uh, we got to hit plat or we just calling it quits. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, number three, I got the San Antonio Spurs. Um, they're the Spurs. I mean, I expect Jonathan Simmons to be a really good player this year. I don't think he'll be an all-star or anything like that, but he'll be serviceable. He'll be kind of able to fill in for Dan- Danny Green from time to time. I think Kyle Anderson is going to – that's why they felt comfortable moving Dial, um, is going to kind of step into the board's Dial role. You know, they just reload. They find guys to fit the needs that they have, um, and I think some of these young guys are, are going to do that. Um they won't be as good as they were last year, but they'll still be good. They're the Spurs. Uh, Popovich is their coach. Ton of respect for Pop. Yeah, they got Kawhi. You didn't even mention Powell Gasol. I was just gonna say they got Powell. Um, they gonna be all right, as Kendrick Lamar said. They gonna be all right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, my number four team is the Grizzlies. Um, I think a healthy Mike Conley, a healthy Marcus Gasol, Chandler Parsons will give them some some floor, floor spacing that they've been sorely missing. Um, I think the Gasol, Conley, Randolph kind of trio has never not been solid. That group of dudes just has they do well every year. Um, are they you know good enough to win a championship? No. Um, they'll need a whole lot of stuff to break their way just to get to the conference finals in the West. But I think they'll be a team that's in the mix. My number five is the Utah Jazz. Um, I think getting ISO Joe, getting George Hill gives them some vets to go with the young talent that they've stockpiled. They got height. They got some shooting. They got some scoring savvy. Um, I like what they've done um, in Utah to kind of put themselves in a position to keep growing. Um, I think the next step, they should have made the playoffs last year. They didn't. Um, They kind of pissed that away. But I think they're going to be in position to kind of take another step this year. My six is the Blazers. Um, they're still young and trying to figure out who they're going to be outside of Lillard and 
um, C.J. McCallum, their front court, they have to figure out and get some consistency out of their front court. Um, they have some bouncy, young, athletic dudes who can do a lot of different things. Noah Vonley's got to mature a little bit. Myers Leonard, Myers Leonard has to mature a little bit, and they have to find some consistency. If they find some consistency from their bigs, they could jump up and pass the Grizzlies or pass the Jazz. Those three teams, I think, are pretty interchangeable, along with the OKC Thunder at number seven. Um, this is obviously pending that Westbrook is on their roster to start the season and for the majority of the season. I think they're, they're a seven through four seed. They could fall anywhere in that range. Um, they're going to be good. Um, they're not going to be what they could have been with Duran Westbrook, but with just Westbrook by himself and a solid Oladipo as his running mate um, with Steven Adams and Ennis Cantor um, and some of the other pieces that they have, they'll be fine. They're going to be a solid group. They're still going to be really big on the front line. Um, and Oladipo and, uh, and Russ may be able to do some damage in the backcourt to teams. You know, that backcourt may become something to be feared. Um, we'll have to see how that develops. My number 18, um, this one was tough, um, especially in the West, because there are kind of three teams, each with some real superstar-level talent, um, and it was hard to choose, like, who's going to get the spot? Like, who's going to be able to get their team in the playoffs? So I got James Harden, I got Carl Anthony Towns, and I got Anthony Davis. Um, I picked Minnesota. And I think they're going to figure it out this year. I think under Tibbs, I think Carl Anthony Towns is about to take the lead by storm. I mean, I think he's just going to – everybody's going to know who he is by the end of this season. Um, I think they're going to get into the playoffs as an eight, get that first kind of taste of what it's like to be in the playoffs. They'll probably get knocked out in the first round, but they're going to get that hunger. Um, the Rockets, I just don't know what they're going to be. Um, D'Antoni and Harden, I think – actually, I, I'm not – I'm not as pessimistic about that matchup merit as some people are. I think I think that's going to work well. I mean, Nash had the ball in his hands 80% of the time in D'Antoni's offense in Phoenix. I think that same thing, I think that could work for Harden too. Um, you know, Harden will just be the point swing man or point wing or whatever you want to call him. He's going to be the main ball handler. Um, you can call him a shooting guard, but he he does it already where he has the ball a ton. Um, so I think he'll just keep doing that. Um, and I, but again, defensively, I think that's a bad marriage because you got a coach that don't coach defense and a player that don't play defense. I don't know how that's gonna work. <laughs> and then the last team is Anthony Davis, and I'm telling the Pelicans this on on on, on these internet airwaves. Y'all better figure this out, or he's gonna be gone. <laughs> like he, he, the Pelicans has made no progress, in my opinion, as an organization as far as putting Anthony Davis, getting the right kind of talent around him. They have some Man, players. you've been hating on Anthony Davis for four years now. Yeah. <laughs> I won't let you do it again. I apologize. I ain't been hating on four years. After his, like, second year, I, 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 I came to Jesus. <laughs> the Pelicans will be in the playoffs. I'm just saying. I'm shocked I'm that you got the Utah Jazz at five, who just traded their starting point guard, Trey Book, Trey Burke for for an eighth grader who's <laughs> he was only starting last yeah he was only starting last year because Exxon was hurt Bruh, and they didn't have nobody they, else they traded that man for eighth grader uh, 2021 pick <laughs> <laughs> think about that for a minute it is they traded is. Trey Burke their lottery pick from two years ago for eighth grader 
Yeah. Utah's not going anywhere fast. I love the job that Quinn Snyder has done with that team. Dante Exum's injury, the trade in Trey Burke, I don't know that they have the the lead guard to to lead them to where they need to be in the Western Conference. It's just too hard without a lead point guard in the Western Conference. When you're playing against Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, and and, and the likes of Steph Curry's uh, of the world in the Western Conference, if you don't have a lead guard, you can't be a fifth seed in the Western Conference. I'm sorry. A team that didn't even make the playoffs. Like, how do you give Utah credence over a James Harden-led Houston Rockets team? Because Utah lost their last three games. That's why they didn't make it. They didn't make the playoffs. They were they were right there at the end. Like they, like a, they weren't good like enough. They, what I'm saying, the Rockets weren't that good either. <laughs> they made it. They they were both in the same boat. And the Rockets. The year just, before they, they made they the played a weaker team. The year I know before a different team though. You look at that roster. These are two different teams. <laughs> these are two different teams. That Rockets team I, is not the, that that conference finals team. Just look at the roster. Minus Dwight and minus my boy Jay Smooth for Ooze from ATL. By the way, minus Terrence Jones, minus a young Patrick Beverly who hasn't been the same the last two years. Ariza hasn't been the last two years. I'm just saying those guys play roles on that team that made the conference finals, and they haven't been really playing those roles very well the last year or so. So that's what I'm saying. It's a different crew. Beasley's played well in summer league. He's taking more of a leadership role. He stopped yeah, smoking that's that reef. weird though. <laughs> Beasley stopped smoking that reef. He's gonna be a good player. <laughs> he can't leave that tweet alone though, man. He can't leave the tweet alone. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be calling him, man. It'd be calling him. <laughs> but let's close this out, man. Uh, let's finish this up. Summer League, you brought up Summer League. Um, anybody caught your eye during Summer League? Before we get to Ben Simmons, because we're going to talk about Ben Simmons, but anybody else caught your eye over the course of the first couple of weeks of Summer League? It's ironic you said that because I'm sitting here watching Summer League, San Antonio versus Portland. I see uh, Dame Lillard on the, on the sideline watching his his Portland team, which I appreciate. The the I, I appreciate the elders coming to support the young bucks, um, but Ben Simmons has been stellar. I, I, I've liked his court vision. I liked his 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 on the court and off the court swagger during during summer league. Um, granted, I just got back in the states yesterday, so I've been trying to catch up. But I've loved what I've seen from all the second year players, which I say every year. That that second year. If you don't dominate summer league, you don't have what it takes to make it in this league. So yeah, well, I was I was down on D'Angelo Russell all year, but that game winning shot he hit last night was huge, and I think that does a lot for his confidence level. I like Larry Nance Jr. for the Los Angeles Lakers. I, I liked his aggressiveness going to the basket. I haven't quite liked what I've seen from Buddy Hield, who I thought would be a, a supreme scorer in this league. But, uh, you know, I'm impressed with all of the second-year guys. I'm impressed with Thon Maker from from Milwaukee, who started off with a a double-double with 13 points, 15 rebounds. And uh, I'm just excited, man. Ben Ben Simmons, uh, Ingram, this whole one-two combo, 
this is going to be a draft that that people should should take notice of because I think you got some top talent in it that that people don't really realize. The way Chris Dunn came out yesterday was 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 impre- his first play ever. He caught an alley oop, you know. And a lot of people don't know a lot yeah. about Chris Dunn, but I watched this kid's story out of Providence with his mother being murdered and him living with his brother on his own for from ages nine to thirteen and. Yo, this kid overcame so much, which leads me to believe he's going to be a star point guard in this league because it's easy to him, you know, because of what he's had to endure in life. So this summer league has been as intriguing as any other in, in previous years for so many reasons. Yeah, I, I've enjoyed watching. Um, I'm, I'm watching the same game right now, the Portland and San Antonio game. Like I said, Kyle Anderson has looked good. Um, in, the, in the first couple of games. Jonathan Simmons has been playing. I don't think he's playing tonight, but when he has played in other games, he's looked like, yeah, this dude, is, they don't need to play him anymore. After his first couple of games, it was like, yeah, he don't need to play no more. He don't need to be doing it. <laughs> I think he's got this NBA thing figured out. <laughs> um, so, uh, but, yeah, I think, you know, Ben Simmons in particular, um, I've I've been impressed. You know, I still don't quite know what the whole LSU situation means. You know what I mean? Like, I think it means something, but I don't know what it means and who it means it for. You know what I mean? Like, the LSU situation for Ben Simmons, like, this is you got to be able to get your team to the to the tournament. You just got to be one of the 64 best, 65 best teams in the country. That's all you got to be. At and least to the tournament. To do that. Nothing else gets to yeah, the tournament. Like, yeah, you got to be able to get to the tournament. And the fact that they didn't get to the tournament, that still bugs me a little bit. And, again, I don't know if it was that much of a mess um, at LSU where it was just such a bad mess and such a bad fit and on the court, off the court, that it just did not work out. Um, or, if or if there's something wrong with Simmons. Because when I watch him play, I see what I want to see. I see what I, I like to see in a player. Like, his passing is is – Amazing, I mean it, his his vision, his ability to pass the basketball is ridiculous. Um, some things that he's got to work on. He's got to work on finishing. Um, he can get to where he wants to get to on the court, in the lane. He's got he he hasn't finished well in summer league, um, and then he's got to work the kinks out on that J. Um, but that's going to be a work in progress, a two or three year project to get to, for him to kind of get it to where he's comfortable with it and people are scared of it, right? Um, but it's all there. You got all the, I mean, he's in Philly, the though. The are there. Being in Philly What's is that? hard, man. Yeah. He's in yeah. Philly. And they're going to ask him to do that, a lot. They're going to ask him to do a lot. That organization doesn't boast well for guys with his moxie and or his motor or lack thereof. You know what I mean? So that's why. I, yeah, yeah. That's why I'm slightly on the fence on Ben Simmons. Yeah, yeah. There, there are just things about like it's not. It, it really has little to do with his like skill set. His skill set is nice, but there's something else about him. Where I'm just like, I gotta wait and see with this one. <laughs> and I think you're kind of in that same boat where it's just like the kid's got a nice skill set, but it's just something that I can't just I can't jump on the bandwagon. You know, like it's something preventing you from jumping on the bandwagon. Like I said, it, I don't know if it's the LSU thing. Or, like I said, I don't know what what necessarily. It's something about that that, that just bugs me. Like you, you gotta make the tourney. <laughs> like you gotta, gotta make the like Michael Beasley. 
Michael Beasley got Kansas State to the tournament. And, and yeah, he had Bill Walker with him. The two seed. Yeah, yeah. Kevin Durant, <laughs> Texas. Yeah. Kevin Durant, yeah. Texas. You know? I mean, Steph Curry got Davis into the tournament <laughs> a couple years. I mean, you just got to be able to get your squad in there if you're going to be that one of those dudes. Um, I'm not saying you got to win it and get them to the final four, but you got to be dancing. You just got to be dancing. Um, got to at least. So. <laughs> yeah. Ingram has been impressive. Um, you know, he, he got to eat some sandwiches. Dude look like Pumpkin Jack from the uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> nah, I like Ingram. Yeah, he's, I think he'll be all right. Yeah, he's going to be all right. He's going to be all right. I'm just. I'm just I just forget some of these cats are like 19 and they got that 19 year old build. Like I'm watching the du- du- the Juan T. Murray right now for San Antonio and dude is like he looked like me when I was in high school, <laughs> just lanky. <laughs> but he put in work. The best, uh, not to get off subject, but the best player out this draft going up being Chris Dunn. I would be surprised. I would be surprised. After picking Ricky Rubio and Johnny Flynn at four and five a couple of years ago, they finally made right with the with the right point guard selection. Chris Dunn is the yeah, point guard. Yeah, and I think he's in the right situation. I think he's yeah. in the right they situation. They need to let Ricky Rubio go this year, and and he's yeah. going to take over that franchise. Him and Carl Anthony Towns with Wiggins on the wing. Uh, they're my Los Angeles Clippers of two thousand one. The Q Rich D Miles and. Uh, they had a threesome. Who was the third person? Um, Brand was out Davis. there. Diddy. Uh, yeah, Baron. Yeah. It was Baron Davis, yeah. Quentin Richardson, D. Miles. That's that's Andrew Wiggins and Carl uh, Anthony Towns and uh, Chris Dunn. Mark my words. Them boys are gonna make the playoffs if not next year, the year after, and they're gonna be the most exciting team in the league. Especially I think they're gonna be the, the most exciting team in the league. This year, I think that's going to be the team that you want to give your, your league pass to watch the T-Wolves because you got Levine, you got Dunn, you got Wiggins, you got Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, yeah, that's, that's must-see TV right there. Even if they're losing games, you still want to watch them lose because <laughs> it's going to be so fun to watch, man. And Rubio is still fun to watch even though I think they're going to move him. Rubio is still fun to watch. Yeah, but he can't defend on a tip system. He's he's not an yeah. on ball defender. And Tib to play in Tib system, you have to be an on ball defender. You know. Yeah, yeah. And I think when they see what they got in Dunn, and I think they're gonna give Dunn the key to the keys to the kingdom. You know. Which I'm looking forward so, to. It'll be a great year, yeah. man. It's gonna be a great year. I'm I'm disappointed. It took us this long to get to discuss it. Yeah, man. We got us. We get me and you got to sit down. And we got to set some dates to really launch this Flagrant 2. That's going to be our show, Flagrant 2. <laughs> hey, let's get you go. kicked out. We can do it all year next year, bro. Yep, all season. All season. So we'll get some dates. We'll do a preview show. We'll, you know, do probably a monthly kind of recap of the month. And we'll just keep it rolling, man. I'm excited about it. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. But this Olympics. We, can see. we need an Olympic show. I'm excited about the Olympics in about four weeks. I'm worried about the Olympics. I just don't. I want everybody to come back okay. <laughs> the Zika and no problem. for bronze medal team a lot. Say what? 
this this team reminds me a great deal of this 2004 bronze medal team. A lot yeah, of the first do. guys, you know, you don't have you don't have, yeah. you know, Russell, you, know, no you don't Russ. have your talent. No Lillard. Yeah. I think what's different is that the rest of the world isn't that strong. Um, you know, Argentina and the Spains, their guys are old now. You know what I mean? So either the rest of the world is really young and trying to, you know, break through and, and Canada and, and France has some younger guys, um, or they're really old where, you know, the Gasols are up there. Um, Argentina is going to be ancient. I mean, when you're talking about Ginobili trotting out there and Luis Scola, Luis Scola and some of those dudes. So if we were going to have a year like this, like this year, this is a good year to have it because the rest of the world isn't as strong. Um, they should be able to still secure gold um, because we have more talent than everybody else, and our talent is in the right kind of physical age range to be able to handle the rigors of the of the uh, Olympic tournament. Um, so we, this may be our year where we kind of sneak in and get that gold when maybe we shouldn't have, or maybe our squad wasn't the strongest. Um, and that's not because necessarily the squad really deserved it. I think in a in that if this team was playing in 2000 2004 they'd be they'd be they'd be hard pressed <laughs> when when Dirk and and, and those dudes cuz I mean when you think about it there isn't really a foreign top 20 player in the league anymore um and that was the case for a long time um and those dudes were playing on these uh foreign teams throughout the tournaments and and that was causing the US that's what made us have to step our game up um and there really isn't a foreign born dude I mean you can count some Canadians, but um, I still don't really see, like, any, the, the, you know, again, the Pals and the Dirks are kind of aging out, and there isn't a, a generation of dudes behind them to take their places. Margaret saw when healthy as a top 20 player in the league. Who's that? Margaret saw. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. I get, I can, I can give him that. I can give but, him but, that. But, but, but both he, him he, and Powell are not playing this year, which makes Spain a, a laughing stock, which right. gives us a little bit more credence. But this team yeah. would not win the championship last year, uh, four years ago. Right, right. I, I, Paul I George, agree with that 100%. Kevin Durant, DeMarcus Cousins is an atrocity of a front court from what we should have. DeMarcus Cousins, man, I don't know what to make of him yet, man. Like, I just don't know. I don't know if it's – because Sacramento is so dysfunctional. And sometimes, man, dysfunction breeds dysfunction. You know what I mean? Like, you put guys who need structure in a chaotic environment, and it just makes it worse. (laughs) (laughs) It just makes it – it makes what already was a temperamental cat worse. (laughs) And I I don't know if that's the case with DeMarcus, if he's really the problem or it's the organization, because they both are a little dysfunctional, man. I hope he gets out of there at some point. I couldn't have said that better myself, but his talent is at an all-time high. And yes. if you get some leadership in that front office, Vlade Divac can't even speak the language the way he needs to to be able to communicate with these guys. You need a, the right GM in place. You need the right organizational structure in place to deal with a talent like that. You know, Man, hiring, Brother used to smoke squares after games, man. 
Vade was smoking cig at halftime. He can't tell me nothing. <laughs> you can't tell me he nothing about being a professional dog. <laughs> I ain't trying to hear about it. You can't talk to me about being a professional. You smoking cigarettes at halftime. Come on, man. <laughs> hey, why not test one stunt cognac at, at halftime at a Bulls game? So I, 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 know. Can't, uh, I, know. I, I can't knock too much. <laughs> Smoking a cigarette, which is legal. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, it's crazy. So that'll do it for this edition of the Real Sports Guys. It turned into a preview of the Flagrant Two. Uh, we'll catch you on the downside. Uh, be safe out there, man. It's a, it's, it's wild out there. Be safe. Be good to each other, man. That's all I can say, man. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta be better. We gotta be better to each other, man. And, and believe people when they tell you the truth. You know, when somebody's telling you what their experience and the truth is, believe them. I nobody got a reason to lie to you. Um, world's not fair for everybody. Um, we know this, uh, and we just got to we just got to do better as a society. You know, I don't want to get too deep into that, but we do. It's craziness, man. It's craziness. So well, let's let it ride on out of here, man. Let's get let's get the people out. Hey, Justin, man, great as usual. I'm looking forward to this flagrant two thing. We're going to tear this NBA scene up, man. We're going to be, we're going to do some big things this year, man. So I'll catch you on the flip side. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.